Welcome to our podcast, We Got the Nod. A new and bold internet radio show designed for those who are on a conscious path of awakening. We are here to uplift and inspire you, to share practical tools and techniques to assist you stepping into your highest expression as spirit having a human experience. We will get raw and real, sharing kundalini yoga, music, poetry, and mantra, and so much more. Let us open our hearts and minds to our true potential, making the impossible possible, the surreal real. Let's begin. Satnam, this is Haridam. Very pleased to offer the second part in our wonderful interview with Martha speaking about addictions and healing addictions. In this second part of the conversation, we go a little deeper into the healing process, how we all navigate it through our own dark night of the soul in different ways. Some of us having to go with allopathic treatments in terms of pharmaceuticals. And in each case, coming through with with new awareness and courage, such that all three of us now feel desire to share our wisdom with those who are still in that process. So without further ado, let's begin part two of our Addictions and Beyond Addiction podcast. We might have to make several episodes <laughs> from this because there's so many, and there's so many ways we could go from here. And so Kirtan has her own story. And, and psychiatrists, even psychologists, especially psychiatrists, they, they have their own dark side, but they, they, I think in many cases they haven't really themselves uh, accessed or really confronted it because they, they've been taught to use other methods like drugs which they are prescribing to their patients. They're prescribing drugs, like you said, right? Blockers. Blockers. So they're probably quite blocked themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember hearing years ago, it made perfect sense that the the suicide rate among psychiatrists is actually quite high. In my experience, um, because I also was put on many um, antipsychotics, told I was bipolar, um, you'll be on this the rest of your life. And there was just so much fear around that in the hospital and with the doctors even like you know oh we have really bad news to tell you like almost like I had a cancer <laughs> uh, diagnosis or something like you have this now you're gonna have to do this the rest of your life and I just didn't accept the reality it was um, I mean I accepted the reality for what it was but I knew that that storyline wasn't going to be my life story and uh, luckily I had some good support um, energetically and with the angel healer that <laughs> was a family friend and you know she told me you know take that as information okay you have this diagnosis but don't become it don't take it on as your identity maybe just put it on the board like imagine a whiteboard in your mind just put it on the board as information it's a data point 
but you don't have to attach to that. You don't have to become that necessarily. You get to become who you are and, and choose your own reality. And that was super helpful at that time. And she even said, paint it all pink. Anytime the memory comes up, just paint it pink <laughs> in your mind. And surely helped me to detach from that story that they were trying to implant in me yeah. through the system. Totally. That angel healer that you talk about, that sounds really powerful, having that such a holistic blessing. alternative approach and attitude. Mm-hmm. When I was in this holistic treatment center, it was quite similar. I felt really supported to get off the medication and just see with openness, just see. And that was when I got my real diagnosis, which was complex PTSD. And I started having actual Mm. trauma treatment Mm. and not even Mm. focusing on the addictions. Just their attitude was like, let's clear first. Let's do the clearing. Let's look at the pain. Let's look at why these substances and these behaviors are actually benefiting you. What is PT for? What is PTSD stand for? Post-traumatic stress disorder. Standard PTSD is when it's come from one event, this is very common for war veterans, for example. Right. When you have standard PTSD, you have very overt, very obvious flashbacks. Right, like the firework that just went off, they'd be mm-hmm. on the floor. They would their be hands on the over floor. their head yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas complex PTSD is actually, you don't tend to have visual or auditory flashbacks, but you have emotional flashbacks. And this is why so many people with complex PTSD get misdiagnosed as being bipolar because you're having these seemingly disproportionate emotional responses to present stimulus but what's actually happening is the present stimulus has reminded your brain of a past traumatic memory and you're having that same emotional Mm -hmm. response you're like reliving the memory emotionally Mm -hmm. and that's what I was doing basically from the age of 13 until my early 20s I was just my body and my being was stuck in the past Mm -hmm. reliving this trauma and feeling those same emotions and I was self-medicating I have a problem with with a lot of these labels I'm not saying they're to throw them all out entirely but (laughs) I think labels I mean also because you know a lot of a lot of these labels have come into being since I've I was born. I think we could all be diagnosed as complex post-traumatic stress disorder for this reason that we're, the, the, there's the collective psyche for one. We we have looked at past life. For, for some people, this is very real phenomenon. And our childhood, even early childhood, infants are so sensitive we're by in nature. In the womb. In the, even in the womb, yeah, we pick up so much, not just from the parents, but from from the the. the immediate family there the, you know there's all of these stimuli and and a child is 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 so prone and and sensitive to these different inputs and they don't really have the apparatus really to to process it so much and often then these these disorders can develop at an early age but not to diminish any diagnosis especially if if it's helpful so i think in, in, in some or even many cases, the, these different labels, diagnoses can be helpful in giving us some 
structure in order to address it. I definitely agree with you that labels can be detrimental. For me, with my bipolar diagnosis, I sat down with this psychiatrist. After five minutes, they didn't ask me anything about my upbringing. They didn't ask me anything about my daily behaviours, my lifestyle. They asked me what my symptoms were and I explained a few things, including drug addiction, eating mm. disorders, self-harm, mood swings, hysterical crying in supermarkets, all the things. And then within five minutes, they were just like, yeah, you're bipolar. You're bipolar. Right. And we're going to put you... Here you go. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to put you... A stranger who doesn't really see and understand you and feel you, I'm going to put you in this box. Now you're in that box forever. There was a lot of value for me in getting the diagnosis which did resonate because I was then able to get the right treatment. I was in a room with the two trauma specialists. They had a big whiteboard and we had to create a timeline of our life from birth to present, including all of the emotionally significant things that we went through and they helped us reframe it and process what actually happened from an adult perspective. And then they helped us understand the legacy from each event. There was a lot of somatic healing, which was very powerful. We, mm. we did TRE almost every day, you know, the shaking. There was daily meditation and yoga. Actually, I had panic attacks maybe the first mm. five times I did mm. yoga because there was just so much mm. when I stopped and, and was present. But then... The clearing happens, and then there's space for the light to come in, and the process gets more and more enjoyable. Right, yeah, looking at things that you suppress from early, early childhood. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. it can be very scary. It all comes all at once, like ah. And the problem with addiction is that it really just lowers your vibrational frequency so much, and then you attract events. Mm -hmm which match mm, that, yes. right? So you're just attracting and manifesting more and more Natural. trauma yes. until you can break the cycle and stop the addiction and find the self-love and start raising your vibe and then the mm. external world starts to reflect that. Mm -hmm. Catch-22. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful for our listeners to understand because that's the nod. That's when we're in harmonic resonance with a higher vibration, we're attracting higher vibrational things and situations mm -hmm. the world is actually mirroring how we are on the inside for me the, the, the long dark night of the soul there's there's an aspect of it because i of course looking back i realized that i was already in it before i became conscious of that in a way that's what makes it so precarious and so devastating when we become aware that we're in it, right? Because there's this feeling of being trapped. And, uh, you know, and you, Martha, just reminded me, <laughs> brought me back to that time so long ago, it seems many lifetimes now, of feeling this low, this low, low, low self-esteem, where, you know, I was not comfortable being with anyone, even my, my blood family. They could be most pleasant, outgoing, loving people, and yet I just could not find any sense of ease, Continually, this anxiety—what to say? I'm not saying anything. They're—they're they're 
judging judging me or yeah or they, they think I'm crazy because I am crazy you know all these thoughts in our in your head yeah you guys relate mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's where actually having the labels can be detrimental mm. because mm. it can play into that belief that you're mm. broken and that there's right. something wrong with you and that you don't fit in. Exactly. Part of the reason why I um, had the issue with labels, it also has to do with my sister who didn't make it through her dark night. She took her own life and this is a big inspiration for, for my work as a, as a healer, as a therapist, counsellor, especially the work with suicide. I experienced it firsthand. She was labeled, like a lot of us. And here's the thing, too. When, when, when they label us, then they can label your prescription. They have drugs for that label, right? It happened with my sister. I was lucky. I did actually see at least one or two psychiatrists during that long, dark night of the soul period. Luckily, they were. I, I got more alternative-style psychiatrists, too, who were not prone to prescribing drugs, at least right away. And I'm grateful for that because, well, maybe you guys can speak on that. You know, antipsychotics, antidepressants, and it's, it's not easy, right, once you go down that road. WGTN Guatemala. Today's podcast is brought to you by the School of Nod, International School of Kundalini Yoga, Nod Yoga, Psychodrama, and more. Founded by the dynamic soulmate duo Hariram and Satkirtan. The School of Nod offers unique and transformative online programs. Satkirtan and Hariram have between them 30 years experience leading classes, workshops, kirtan, and retreats. For more information, go to www.schoolofnod.com. And now, back to the podcast. WGTN Guatemala yeah, in my in my case, it was I was very blessed. I wasn't on it for very long. Um, on what? <clears throat> on the anti uh, psychotics mainly, mm-hmm. and then other things to treat the mm-hmm. side mm-hmm. effects. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, take yeah, uh, Xanax and mm-hmm. um, sleeping pills to be able to sleep at night. But even mm-hmm. that, you know, didn't work half the time, and it was just this anxiety state. And it really was Kundalini Yoga I found mm. within six months. Mm. Um, so I think I was only on for like six months. I actually think I found Kundalini Yoga, or Kundalini Yoga found me three months after. So it was mm. in the healing from the yoga and the chanting. I was able to raise my vibration enough to attract a better doctor who was mm. more compassionate. That was the first step because the first doctor I had said, no, you're going to be on it the rest of your life. But I, um, just by setting the intention to get a new doctor and with the practices of Kundalini, I was able to attract that better doctor mm. and he was able to work with me and we slowly mm. weaned me off and he was able to mm. witness me and he actually gave me more than five minutes. He'd give me like half an hour mm. and <laughs> he was a wonderful, compassionate man out of Haiti. And uh, yeah, just I'm so grateful for him. He's an angel for sure. And we just slowly weaned it off, you know, lowering the dosage every month until I was done. And it was a matter of months? Then. Yeah, it was only a matter of months. Because my case, when I came into it, um, it was through workaholism. Mm-hmm. I was a workaholic, and so much so that it broke me. Mm-hmm. And in that break, <laughs> breakthrough, <laughs> that ended up in a psychotic manic episode. And so the doctor recognized that it was kind of a one-off situation, and 
that I could heal from it. What age were you? 28. 28. 27, 28. Yeah, it was my Saturn return. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was heading very fast in this direction of being, I wanted to be the world's greatest water engineer on the planet. I wanted to design these massive state-of-the-art water treatment plants and be like known as the expert in the field. And so I was putting in applications for uh, abstracts to do presentations at these like super, you know, high-tech conferences that were very well known with all the experts around the globe and um, at the same time I was also involved with a lot of extracurriculars. Um, I was very involved with Engineers Out Borders, so getting water to people in third world countries and um, working on projects in Costa Rica and uh, Cambodia and also worked my way up that ladder of the nonprofit to become president of the region of the Southeast region for all of Engineers Without Borders. So I was working on all these different things, and I was a part of um, a, uh, a Citizens Sustainability Committee for the city, city of Fort Lauderdale. So I was sitting in those meetings and then going to commission meetings for things related to the water for the communities. Yeah. And it just, I was burning the candle at both ends, and uh, I was putting everybody's needs first in front of mine, and even though my body was giving signals, like random rashes just breaking out and all kinds of strange things happening, I just ignored it and just kept going, and it eventually broke. Yeah, general, it's amazing. crash. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing all the ways that the, the body alone in, can signal us when, when we're out of balance. Um, and workaholism, I think a lot of people can relate to. Yet, yet we, we ignore it and we'll see the symptoms as, again, the branch, treating the branch. Okay, I'm going to put some cream on the, that yeah, rash. Slap some cream on and get back to work. <laughs> not understanding there's a deeper purpose to this rash, no, there's a deeper message trying to come through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a lot of stomach stuff too. I was in the emergency room, I think, like six times in one year, just over irritable, they call it irritable bowel syndrome. They couldn't really put a label on it. Well, just to, yeah, to say, I think one reason why I, I'm the one in this trinity did not take any of these powerful, toxic drugs is because my dark night of the soul experience came after... You found the holistic route? Yeah, I already found the holistic route. In fact, I've, I've done two intensive years of shiatsu training with a master from Japan, at the same time learning about Chinese medicine, and then discovering kundalini yoga. I, was al- I had already discovered all these things, kundalini yoga. And so I'm sure if, if it wasn't for all of that, chances are very high I would have gone down the, the anti-psychotic or anti <laughs> Depressant road. So I, I appreciate hearing hearing your stories on that. I was very fortunate, and maybe too because the vibrational thing, having done the shiatsu training and kundalini yoga, that even when I was coming in contact with psychiatrists, let alone psychologists, they were not unorthodox. In fact, some of them I don't know how they were able to do what they're doing. You know, because the this college of doctors in Canada, like most of it, is very strict about practices, <laughs> they were not doing conventional medicine with me. One of the men I worked with, Sheldon, our sessions went up to four hours sometimes, not 30 minutes. I was sitting with him three to four hours sometimes, 
and going crazy. <laughs> he wouldn't let me leave, right? He was con- just confronting me. Was in, you know, and he had like this other one I worked with. He worked out of his home, which is nice, but instead of going to some horrible you know, office mm-hmm. building kind of thing, I went to his house, I would sit there, and he'd be sit- confronting me in his face, and, so was, and we'd go through these long periods, shallow night, of silence. Because <laughs> he, would, he would give up, but you know, nothing more to say, or he'd just repeat something, and, I, and I'd be like... <laughs> Doing this sometimes, like, don't look at me, stop looking at me, right? <laughs> there was another doctor that I worked with again, he had a, a background with meditation, other things, and he would take me on some guided journeys, imagine that, in our sessions, again, mm-hmm. this is, our session, his session would go for probably an hour at least, he always, I remember having those amazing hugs with him. Oh. We hu- he hugged me, okay? It's another it's MD. Like psychologists, MD. therapists, yeah. like, yeah. they, most of them have no hugging, no, no touch, no it's, contact. They're, not, they're allowed. Yeah, they're not, not allowed. And no. I would only no. hug my therapists when we were no. finished, yeah. at the end of our course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even with the, the allo- more allo- allopathic road, I, I, just, I was always brought to... A holistic approach, whether it was a shaman or an MD or psychiatrist, even they're all showing me the holistic approach, and now and I'm so grateful because this is what I bring, and now with Sadhguru and our our work with others is that same loving approach. And that's the approach that I have with my yeah. clients. Yeah, well. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very important. Mm-hmm. Treating them. A friend, essentially. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Martha's now coach herself, <laughs> teaching mm-hmm. what exactly? Would you like to tell her? Yeah. So I am still working on cultivating the language to describe exactly what I do as it becomes more and more clear. But I'm calling it now discipleship coaching. I do believe that discipline is key to manifest the reality that we really dream about. But it's about changing our relationship to discipline because discipline comes from the word discipleship Mm. and it's about being our own disciple. And so it's essentially self-love coaching. It's teaching people to cultivate a much deeper, a a real unconditional sense of love for themselves and that then ripples out into their connections and into their their reality. I do a lot of trauma clearing with people as well and... Mm -hmm. And that is definitely a direct result of my own path and my own experiences. And I, I really am so honored to have stepped into the role of teacher, I guess. Yeah, I, I think it's like finding that ultimate meaning from your suffering, mm-hmm. transmuting it into light and turning it into something beneficial and mm-hmm. up-leveling. Yeah, we like to call it soul retrieval. I mean, it's different, again, different names for, to describe the same phenomena, trauma clearing, soul retrieval. One thing I, I came to mind earlier is noise. Or it's Nad Yoga, being the school of Nad, we are very much into sound, healing, vibration. The rave scene came in, I feel lucky in a sense that I was already at a certain age where it didn't really, wasn't really appealing to me. However, sometime later I did do some studies with a, a shaman from the States in something called trance dance. And with trance dance, some trance dance facilitators will use electronic music, rave type music. I haven't. I, I prefer to use more organic uh, 
tribal music. One of the key, well, a couple of the key elements to the trance dance is the volume. We want it to be high volume. So I get this thing with um, young people, I think especially with the raise, right, is, is to, to get loaded <laughs> and then to turn the music up really loud, right, um, as an escape. And escape is, again, if we flip it, we see it as, in a, in a, as a conscious departure, if you will, exploration, then as we, as the approach with trance dance, then it can be a very good thing. We want a pretty high tempo with trance dance, like, like the rave kind of tempo, high tempo, high volume. So the person is feeling it, it's transforming them from the inside out. It's, it's a blindfolded ritual. Wow. Everyone is blindfolded from start to finish. Wow, it sounds amazing. <laughs> it's very trippy. Yeah, it sounds very trippy. <laughs> yeah, and it, even yoga can be used as an escape. I remember when I first started mm -hmm. Kundalini Yoga, I remember telling my friends and family, I am addicted to Kundalini Yoga, because I was. I was going like as often as possible. I was like, oh, put on my turban, do my thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like we were saying earlier, when you have addictions, it's it's almost impossible to just drop it completely and just never pick up anything ever again. It's mm -hmm. Usually it's a transference of one addiction to something else. Mm -hmm. And ultimately it's what's serving you better, <laughs> what's serving life. There's life-promoting habits and life-demoting habits. Mm -hmm. And so if we can just replace the ones that are life-demoting with the mm -hmm. ones that are life-promoting, then things start to shift. And then slowly but slowly we start to unravel all the addictions. But um, yeah, it's mm -hmm. a good replacement. Yeah, and sometimes mm -hmm. I feel like I use drawing and art mm -hmm. now almost. Mm -hmm. I guess it could almost be seen mm -hmm. as an avoidant behavior, but I feel like it's very therapeutic. Oh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's not necessarily a bad thing to avoid through using yoga. Or... <laughs> yeah, I've been saying it for, for decades. So like, an yeah, alternative. If you're going to choose an addiction, Kundalini Yoga it doesn't get much better. It's a yeah. really good addiction. Everything in moderation including moderation. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks again to Martha for joining Thank us. Martha. Thanks for sharing all that you shared so vulnerably mm -hmm. and beautifully. Thanks for having me. Thanks <laughs> for creating this beautiful safe container. <laughs> May the long time sun shine upon you all us around you and Well, as we said in the interview, this conversation could have continued for hours. There are so many things we could say on this important subject. We thank Martha once again for her courage and vulnerability in sharing from the heart. And until next time, we'll say Sat Nam. Blessed be Waheguru. We thank you for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe so as not to miss a single episode. We depend on you, our listeners, to build and expand our audience, to share the nod. So, if you like what you hear, 
Please do not hesitate to share with your friends, family, and community. Love coming.